Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. I'm really grateful for the time I got to spend in Pennsylvania after moving through the sort of stinging swamps of my own anger as reflected by the history of Virginia or my response to the history of Virginia um, it was really lovely to be greeted by this beautiful majestic white oak tree whose branches and embrace spread out so far and wide um so going to the ancient part of the cemetery at the back um where my ancestors are believed to be buried um there's no tombstones because um, that was apparently a uh, 19th century innovation. Uh, and as I'd done in a former podcast, you know, talking about how written in stone, when you're in an, an ancient or, or in an old burial ground, you see that written in stone doesn't really mean that much. Um, within a hundred years, it's very difficult to read what's there. And by the time you get to two, the stones themselves are just worn down to little nubs. Like, they're just barely there anymore. Um, But there was this um, immediate joy and welcome, and I felt this rushing, too. Um, As I walked to the back of the cemetery and, and greeted those that were there... I do believe I'm the first on my grandfather's line to go visit that place. Um, He had married my grandmother and moved down to the south, and um, the family just didn't go north. Um, Some of of his family came down to visit us a couple times, but um, there wasn't like a going to Pennsylvania for the summers kind of thing happening, like with my my mom and her siblings. and and even less so with my generation but it was really wonderful to be there and um, the temperatures were nice and cool and I felt safe um, because there were people that lived on the property and people knew that I was there so I fell asleep with the back gate open and both of the side doors open and um, just kind of watching the June bugs, so I'll uh, I'll post my my sitting out video with the fireflies um, on the website, so you can see that I hadn't seen fireflies since I was a little kid. 
and um, Mama Jules' yard would just light up with the fireflies in the summer, and we would go running around and catch them and put them in a mason jar and poke holes in the top and use them as our nightlight when we were kids. Um, watching them all flit around and light up, you know, I had to say a little apology for how many of their family members I had trapped in a jar and used as my nightlight as a little kid. I hope they forgive me. But those were really sweet, beautiful memories. And so um, it was really lovely to be able to just sit and watch the fireflies as I drifted off to sleep. But around midnight or so, I started getting a little spooked. Um, woke up a couple of times, a little spooked. And so I, um, and I saw lights down in the ancient burial ground. And I hadn't remembered that there was anything down there that would have had lights. Um, and they were like those changing LED lights, you know? Um, one would stay the same color, but the other one was, was changing. And, um, so I got freaked out a little bit and, like, closed, um, the gate and the doors and slept the rest of the night. I did have someone come visit me. Um, when they first started to move towards me, I thought it was Eleanor, the ancestress whose name I know that's buried back there. Um, but then as she, and I got really excited, but then as she moved closer, there was something in her eyes that, um, freaked me out a little bit. So, um, so I was like, oh, it's so good to see you. Could you please stay behind this boundary? And, uh, when I asked her to do that, she disappeared. So, um, so that was a little creepy, but I felt like everything was fine. And then, um, the next morning, uh, I got up and had my coffee and, uh, made my breakfast. And then I, I went, I walked down to the, the ancient part of the cemetery again and just kind of sat with them for a little while. And it just felt so lovely to be there. And when it was time for me to leave, we all cried. I was really sad to go. There have been so many times on this trip that I've thought of the poem that I named my son after. Uh, it's Robert Frost stopping by woods on a snowy evening. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. So I had to pack off because I, my intention was to get to the, um, the friends meeting at Chester, Pennsylvania. Um, that's the meeting house that my ancestors first went to. They landed at Chester. Um, and after Eleanor got remarried, because Peter died at sea on the way over, um, after Eleanor got remarried, she transferred meetings. And um, the grandfather I descended from stayed on. 
and um, so I wanted to um, I wanted to visit the landing site in Chester and um, and then I wanted to attend a meeting so I went to the landing site and I had wanted to give myself time there but it's it is officially marked because uh, it's the same um, it's William Penn's landing site so uh, and I could tell that it was in kind of a shady part of town just looking at Google Satellite before I left on the trip um, but boy am I glad that I was visiting it at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning instead of like dusk uh, on Saturday night or something um, it's really uh, it's like an industrial part it's very run down like more than half of the houses are boarded up and graffitied over um, and the, the park itself is really neglected. Um, so I didn't even get out of the car there and went to the Chester meeting house. So I was there quite early. Um, and walked around their graveyard for a little while. I couldn't read anything that was on any of the stones. Um, and then, you know, people started arriving and uh, we went into the sort of community room to talk for a little while and um, had a really lovely discussion and there was a fellow there that um, apparently has been going through quite a quite a bit of stuff and is just now starting to like reemerge right and working to integrate into quote-unquote normal life but he was speaking to his experience of feeling like an outsider and um, you know the Quakers are the Quaker if you don't know anything about Quaker philosophy um, it's very egalitarian they were instrumental in the emancipation and suffrage movements <coughs> um, in their meetings they don't really ha they don't have a preacher they don't believe in clergy they don't believe that any one group of people has more access to God than another group of people and so their meetings are um, rather than one person in the front and everyone uh, in pews facing them it's organized around sort of a square or a circle and there's just an empty space in the middle and um, you, a lot of times, uh, a candle will be lit. Sometimes a verse is read from whichever text, and um, and then they sit in silence for the hour. Um, you can speak if you're moved by the Holy Spirit. And I, I remember, uh, I, I went to Quaker meetings for a while when I was living in the Netherlands. Uh, they really did not like people to say anything and um, and then after that I attended the meetings in Brighton uh, a few times and I remember you know one incident where something kept running through my mind and I was trying to figure out whether it was just something going through my mind or whether it was something um, being shared by spirit that I was supposed to speak for everyone and as I was like debating about whether or not it was for me or for all 
um, it felt like my throat was being squeezed and it was getting harder and harder to breathe. So I finally spoke up. And as soon as I spoke, um, the, the tension lifted, right? And um, after the meeting, several people came up and thanked me for what I'd said. And we had a conversation about how and why I'd resonated so well. And so, so it's a very different experience uh, than what you would normally think of if you're thinking of church, quote unquote. So, um, and I, it's really lovely. It's wonderful to be in a meditative space with other people. It definitely expands the experience when you're doing it with the other people. Um, for this meeting, um, it was silence until almost the very end. Um, and a woman started singing show me the way you're the one that put me on this path today so show me the way and I, it really resonated with absolutely everybody in the room um, so it's pretty magical the way their meetings work but before the meeting had started we were talking and this fellow was talking about feeling like an outsider and he feels the Quakers are very involved and so uh, they encourage people to get involved in, in social issues and things like this. Um, and so he wants to put together a sort of handbook about being an outsider. And he wants to have a, like a group for outsiders. And we had this conversation about how, you know, um, you get together as a group for outsiders and then you become part of the group and then it gets sort of like codified and then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, then you have to decide whether other people are allowed to be your kind of outsider, you know, these kind of ironies that happen when human beings begin to gather. Um, but it, you know, it really had me thinking about, I, I really see this as uh, one of the many repercussions of colonialization, you know, that we've been cut off from the natural world and think we're separate from it. We've been cut off from our ancestors and our ancestral practices. Um, for women especially, we've been cut off from our bodies. I think that one of the, the most toxic and damaging teachings of modern Christianity as we know it is... Um, this idea that, that the planet is corrupt and our bodies are corrupt and they are not to be trusted and that the answer does not lie within those things but somehow outside of it which of course puts you in this terrible position of <laughs> I mean everything on the planet is part of the natural world so how are you supposed to find something outside of that right um, it, it puts you in this very vulnerable position in a very scary position and then of course there are these teachings about the Antichrist and you know don't so you have to find it outside of you but make sure that you don't find the wrong source um, and of course within the context of recognizing 
that decolonializing process and recognizing that these are, you know, these are things done to take our, like intentionally take our power away so that we're more easy to manipulate and um, basically it's being perpetrated against, right? Like it's, it's a perpetrator's handbook. And um, so of course there would be <laughs> teachings about, you know, uh, you have to look for this thing outside of you, but don't, don't pick the wrong thing. Right. So uh, in that framework, it's very effective to completely sever us from our power to make us feel isolated and alone, to keep us in a place of fear and distrust. Um, all of which are totally antithetical to Jesus's teachings as I understand them, who told us to look at the natural world and see the lilies of the field and how they worry not and yet they are clothed so beautifully, right? Um, completely antithetical to those teachings of fear not and judge not and um, I see a lot of his message as being that that we're not alone and that there is support all around us all the time that's why he sent his disciples out without food or a change of clothes um, as an exercise to trust that this world and the people in it will rise up to care for us and take care of us and the way will be shown. So, um, so it's very natural and understandable. I mean, it's the, the consequence of colonialization is this feeling of outsideness and feeling cut off and separated and thinking that the experiences that we've had, especially the mystical experiences that we've had, are weird or wrong or make us crazy. And again, I come back to those penitences that Max Deschow talks about in her book, Witches and Pagans, um, Women in European Folk Religion. And the things that, you know, the 900s through 1100s were basically made illegal that would help us source, right? That it became essentially illegal to go sit under a tree for a while, to go sit by a river or a creek for a while, to go walking in the forest when you didn't have work to do. These are the things that help us know we're not alone. that the world around us is populated with people and humans are only one of them. And that not only do we have our body who is our best friend and really is with us until death do us part in sickness and in health for richer or for poorer. that it is our, our helpmate, our friend, that it is always working to serve us and heal us and help us. That that body is the manifestation of all those that have gone before, that we are the face of our ancestors. 
and we always have their help and guidance to access and we belong with them we are them and they are us and as we walk the earth comes up to meet us with soil that grows the food that we eat and air that we breathe and supports all the beautiful plant families the trees and the bushes and the flowers and the vegetables and the fruits, all of it. How surrounded we are at all times. How supported we are at all times. But the powers that be in modern Western civilization have worked really hard to disconnect us from that. And the overculture has told us, I mean, they burned, they, they, they burned my grandmothers after a thousand years of a propaganda campaign to demonize us. They started burning us and hanging us and drowning us. They worked really hard to cut us off. But the trees are still here right now. The rivers are still here. The ocean is still here. The soil is still here. All of our animal friends are still here. We just have to wake up and realize what it is that's here. and start peeling away this colonization that made us believe that they're just things and not people. That's made us believe that we're alone, that we're all orphans here, that it's only up to us and no one else is going to take care of us. We have to peel this back. And resist. Resist by loving our bodies, by loving this planet, by loving the other than human people that live here with us. Resist. The egos cry that we're alone. Resist the feelings of alienation. Resist the idea that the overculture has that mystical experiences and communion are crazy or that we're making it up. I think this has been one of the most powerful ways that colonialization has kind of seeped into us, and especially for women. 
that will have these mystical experiences will will hear the stirrings of the deeper truths within us will get visions of what the earth wants or how the trees dance or how much support we have around us and then we brush it away by saying we must have made it up you're not making it up the system the system that has been working so hard to sever us off from ourselves from the land from each other that's made up that's a lie they just made that stuff up But our place amongst all the other than human people on this planet is not made up. I will say that there, you know, it's important to make the, dis to be able to distinguish between head energy and like body energy, heart energy, and then being able to parse that out, right? Heart energy, gut energy, womb energy. So I will say that if you're concerned about whether or not you're making things up. Learn to distinguish. So if an idea comes to you, where is it coming from? Is it coming from your head or from your body? Where is the energy around it? And then you can work a little further to try to distinguish between once in the body, where is it coming from? The heart, the gut, the womb, the bones. My experience is that the head does make things up sometimes, but they tend to be really scary stories, right? Um, my head can my head can definitely make me crazy if i believe everything it says um it builds these frameworks and um parses out all these possibilities and gives equal weight to all of them when they're certainly not all equally true But the body is much more of a truth teller that way. The body knows some things are more true than others. And it'll let you know if you listen. And I get sometimes it takes a while to learn how to listen. My body has been a battleground. It took me a long time to learn how to trust it. It was just like but that's another podcast for another day. So resist today. Go find a tree to sit next to.
and just be quiet see if it has anything to say there's one that you can keep going back to just be with that start building that relationship and once it knows you then you're still enough you may be able to hear its voice hope you enjoyed that episode thanks for listening if you're not already subscribe to the podcast that way you can get episodes as soon as they're released if you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And uh, got to be weird and wild about it, you know. So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.